A few weeks ago, we were right here in the Alex Hotel Dublin for the Screen Skills Ireland event on responsible production for the screen sector in Ireland. And you can hear all about that in our last episode. I'm Liam Garrity, and today we are here as Screen Skills Ireland hosts the Screen Industry Education Forum 2019. We're going to hear from all sorts of people on today's show, but before we get to them, I wanted to get the lowdown from Screen Skills Ireland manager Gareth Lee. So today we're hosting our Screen Industry Education Forum. This is the second time we've hosted this event The key aim of the event is to bring industry stakeholders together with education and training providers, along with policy influencers for skills development, into the same room to talk about the opportunities and challenges that the sector faces in terms of developing skills and talent. Another key part of today is the launch of the Screen Skills Ireland 10-point action plan 2020 to 2025. Yeah, so delighted to launch Screen Skills Ireland's 10-point action plan today. This is a document that's going to frame the work of Screen Skills Ireland over the next five years from 2020 to 2025. The document and the action plan really dovetails nicely with the government's audiovisual action plan. Fundamental to that will be skills development, attracting and retaining talent and, you know, working regions and introducing new initiatives around mentoring, you know, bursaries for international training and so on. So so the document really, you know, details the work that we're going to do across a wide range of areas that will support the sector over the next five years. You can read a full copy of the plan on screenskillsireland.ie. The first panel of the day was all about identifying skills needs and capturing outcomes and impact on skills activity. Jane Leonard of Really Useful Training and Development was one of the panellists. If you don't identify skills at an early stage in production, how do you know who you can hire? How do you know who you can trust to do a job? How do you know who needs support, who needs help? If you don't identify those skills, you're actually lining up to have hidden costs that are only going to come back at you when something is not done, when you have to recheck it. The example that we were talking about here around locations. So locations is mired in legal insurance and permissions and things like that. If you haven't identified one of the exact skills, if you haven't drilled into what experience has this person actually had, then you'll find yourself having to double check it and triple check it or else you'll find yourself having a delayed production because you haven't signed off on things properly. And then I suppose one of the things that came up there was the difference between in doing stuff like this within a company versus on set and how there's obviously differences there in in how it's going to work. There are, but every organisation has its own pressures. If you're doing production and if if you have um, a service level agreement with a company that says, I will produce this many widgets at this time, at this quality, and if you don't train your people, you're not going to hit those deadlines and you're going to have a financial pressure. Uh, As we were saying earlier, the the old mantra in training is, you know, what if I train them and they leave? My mantra is, what if you don't and they stay? Skills development and establishing what skills your production needs are what makes your production successful. And whether we like it or not, there's still a war for talent. And the interns, the HODs, the camera people, the makeup people, they have a choice, even if it's only a limited choice, of where they will go to work. And most people will go to work where they feel, I will come out of this production knowing more, having learned more, having had a pleasant experience. And we, we tie it into a thing we call employer branding, that different productions have a different culture, have a different feeling, and people feel they get value or not. And a lot of that comes down to 
is it well organised? Have we identified what skills? Have we identified what we need to do? When we need to do it? And then, most importantly, have we communicated it? You know, and how does that work through? I think that works for them. Gerard O'Keefe was also on the panel and he had an interesting perspective on capturing skills outcomes because he's currently a camera trainee. Yeah, so I'm relatively new to the industry. I am started just this year, actually, the beginnings of 2019. So as part of my training, it's always been part of this framework of this kind of evaluative process where you're filling out like a weekly task sheet. So it's all I've known in the industry. And for me, it has been a great experience because as I said before, it, um, these task sheets are a reflective piece, but they're also a prompt to, for you to identify gaps in your everyday training. And so I'm very aware of, like, where of like, highlighting my gaps within my everyday because you know, I want to progress and I want to get to the next stage. I want to become like second AC, first AC and climb the ranks. And so highlighting the gaps and being aware of them is something I would be doing naturally anyway but it's great now that there's also this kind of network and framework that supports that and it's interesting even just to mention I mean you, you just recently kind of like switched careers like how, how is that from what to what so I was, I've worked for like the last 10 years within NGOs and non-profits I've been working in like UK India um, and Ireland so most recently I was working within the homeless industry um, and I had like I'd loved working in that sector it was very fulfilling in terms of the impact of the work but I had always been involved in creative industries kind of on the side anyway in terms of like performance and different elements and creative industries is just where my heart lies and where I wanted my career to be uh, just because I'm so passionate about it so yeah so I just took the plunge and just packed up everything moved to Berlin went to film school there and made the change as you do <laughs> um, but like uh, do, do you notice any difference between the you know the training that would have kind of gone through your previous career to this like is there any comparison absolutely yeah I like now especially with these these valuable pieces because within the charity sector it's, you're so heavily scrutinized because you know a lot of a lot of your funding comes from donors so every penny is kind of accounted for and you need to be you need to have very strong evidence that you are training and scaling your employees and that they are at the best of their ability so I this is something I'm very used to this kind of this framework and just evidencing best practice and evidencing skills and training development so for me this is not new but it is interesting to see it applied in this kind of different way in this it seems like it's new it's new to the film industry here in Ireland but, and it's in development and but it's getting there and it's, it does remind me of the kind of the the processes I've already engaged in but it's just kind of like it's you know it's, it's going through a kind of a trial and error phase and getting to where it needs to be In the West of Ireland, it was probably quite a unique story insofar as we had to generate a whole industry. We invented a whole industry in 30 years. And part of that the second panel of the day was about education collaborations with industry in practice, featuring representatives from colleges around the country. I'm Celine Curtin, and I'm head of department of the Creative Arts and Media with the School of Design in GMIT in Galway. The collaboration is absolutely vital. I think, you know, the thing about it is, is to understand there is a difference, that's the important thing between training and education, but that we're all heading on the same journey and we're hoping to get to the same destination, which is that we will have an educated, a trained, but an informed group of thinking practitioners out there working in the audiovisual sector in Ireland. It's you're, you don't want to go into a classroom and sit with students and go, and wait till I tell you what was, and wait till I tell you this. 
because at the end of the day, you know, they're important to an extent, but um, unless there's a learning in the anecdotes, you're really only then running a, a comedian's class. Though, mind you, there were some days I did go into class after lunch and go, and the matinee performance starts now. <laughs> Caroline O'Sullivan is head of creative media at TU Dublin. She spoke about the collaboration between industry and education. I think the relationship was quite good. I think people realised that the role that education plays in the industry, but I think I suppose one of the key things I said about on the panel was people finding time. So people finding time for, for us as educators to find time to keep up to date and to, to collaborate with the industry and, and in, in this, at the level that industry would like, but industry also finding time to take away from production to recognise the educational needs and training needs of the people within the sector. I mean, you, you had mentioned there that like you that numbers were kind of down, I suppose, in terms of people applying for the courses. I think there's an issue around, I think there's a kind of, I don't call it a propaganda war, but there is, you know, STEM are doing a really, really good job about promoting how important STEM industry is to create and grow in the economy in Ireland. I think the film and the creative industries has that same potential and same possibilities, but we're not doing the same, we're not doing the same job. We're really, you know, the message that's coming across to career guidance teachers, you know, in secondary schools and in primary schools is that in order to get a good, steady job within, within, and the lots of prospects in their future is to go into STEM and I think we need to do work and instead of people thinking well that's you know the industry is just for people who are kind of creative or airy fairy that there's there's lots of roles in, in, in the industry and there's lots of growth and there's lots of possibilities for really good sustainable careers. The thing about it is in theory we should have no problem because everybody watches film everybody's obsessed with TV everybody's playing computer games but I think that I think maybe it's a generational gap that people need to understand what, what those kind of roles are what the kind of salaries are you know people do think you know going to college these days is expensive it's not like you know 15 years ago your people are paying three three and a half thousand a year to get a degree so people and you know people are under a lot of pressure financially so we do have to make sure that they see that there is value in that obviously education needs to do a bit of work around making sure that the people see the value of a degree and that it's not just about you know it's they're not just consumers but it is a case that we need to kind of be really much more open and upfront about all the different possibilities like i think emer mentioned about the 134 different roles that there are within the film industry you know why are we why are we getting that information out to schools and to career guidance teachers and, and what, how can industry and education work together as best we can to help promote that message? Celine Curtin of GMIT has also noticed a general drop of numbers in students going into screen education. You know, people imagine that there's a huge cohort of students out there who are looking to do uh, the programmes, but they're not, because at the end of the day, the reality is is that you go to the higher options three-day event with Leaving Cert possible possible, uh, applicants. And, you know, the question is that their parents are asking, well, what job? And at the end of the day, the audiovisual sector is seen in that creative industry space that is seen in a different space so the old stem is kind of is stymieing the steam now there was a good alliteration wasn't it (laughs) that'll be for the promo (laughs) the third panel of the day was all about the current skills development landscape in ireland as well as influencing skills development policy and funding Here's Natasha Kinsella of the Dublin Regional Skills Forum. I suppose I was here today supporting Screen Skills Ireland because the whole skills is a focus of today. And regional skills is part of a wider landscape within the education framework. 
and I suppose this is an initiative that was developed three years ago by the Department of Education and Skills and really our focus is drawing together educational providers and businesses to meet skill gap needs which is ultimately what Screen Skills Ireland is trying to do. The important thing, I suppose, is to acknowledge that there is a whole landscape out there. There are nine regional managers, and for each business, our support is to them to try and articulate the skills need and then make the connection to the provider that can potentially meet that need, but making them aware what actually is out there, what funding is available, but also articulating the skills needs to feed that back to government policy to try and influence decisions about initiatives that will future fund skills development for the sector itself. So that's the important part of today. So I'm delighted to be here to be able to identify that landscape and put the call to action out to business where if they engage with us, one, we can help them articulating the need, but two, we can then make the appropriate connections to access meeting that need through the relevant provider. What do you think the landscape is like at the minute and what could we be doing better? I suppose the the thing is to understand the landscape. When we tend to, I mean, even inside on the panel there, we tend to talk about a certain element of the landscape. When we talk about the education system, there is a wider system outside of higher education. There's further education. That's the point I was making. The fora is built around this stakeholder collaboration that involves everybody within the educational landscape. So that's further education to higher education to allow that progressive pathways to be supportive, meeting the needs at various different levels with various different cohorts of individuals. We tend to focus when we talk about a graduate, it's a three-year or four-year graduate coming out of their degree. We tend to forget about the individuals who've come through from school or come through craft or come through PLC, which is further education. But equally, there's the element of the upskilling space, which Skillnet provides as well, as other initiatives like Springboard, like Skills to Advance. They're upskilling opportunities for other individuals who are potentially career changers, who are returned to workers at all levels. So when we talk about the landscape, we talk about the wide ability to engage with a wider cohort of that landscape. So the basis of Creative Europe is pan-European collaboration. So My name is Orla Clancy. I'm with Creative Europe Desk Ireland. From my point of view, it's very interesting to see how the Irish sector relates to Europe and to understand that there's huge opportunities in Europe. And Creative Europe has a specific training scheme which Irish participants can kind of avail of and it's just getting the word out there. So it's a great opportunity to meet future co-producers or future you know, co-developers or in whatever area that they work in. So, so we feel that the European element is extremely valuable for the Irish industry and the sustainability of Irish companies to, to keep going because you know it's changing so quickly and the industry is changing so quickly that, that sustainability is a key factor in the traditional model isn't necessarily working anymore so the more experience they can get outside of that traditional model and the more people that they can connect with across Europe it opens up their eyes to new to new opportunities new business models and the future well I think it was a point that was raised by a number of the panelists the difficulty with the screen sector at the moment is is, it's lack of visibility that's Alan Power from the Department of Business Enterprise and Innovation it's a very kind of small kind of in terms of employment employment terms you're talking a maximum around about 10,000 in terms of direct employment and perhaps 67,000 in terms of indirect employment as well. So it does kind of fall on, under the radar a little bit. 
and especially when you're trying to identify kind of skills and needs within the economy, it does fall between the cracks to an extent. I'm the Department of Business. My colleagues in the Department of Culture will be very much leading on the, on the develop, developmental agenda for the screen content sector, especially through the audiovisual action plan. And I think there is a kind of creative R on the kind of roadmap being set out now as well. So it's very much about kind of getting that influence, getting that weight within the government sector. If we have the Department of Culture really making the case with its kind of developmental hat on its head, as it were, for the, for the kind of screen, screen content sector, then that's definitely one way of really kind of increasing its vis- visibility within the, the education training revision sector and making sure that its needs are fully met. The final panel of the day was all about effective skills development models for industry. On the panel, Jesse Cleverly of Wild Seed Productions was asked, from his perspective, what's been impactful for skills development and how do you align skills development with the way in which productions work? Um, I'll see which major co-production partner I can insult there. Um, I don't know, France. Uh, <laughs> I mean, actually, my, my, you know, my career started working in theatres. I worked in a theatre in London called the Royal Court, which was being run by a rather brilliant director called Stephen Daldry. And um, actually, my kind of big epiphany about all this was started on, in Galway, in fact, because we were working with uh, Druid Theatre Company in Galway and we um, put on Martin McDonagh's first play in a village hall somewhere that I can't remember exactly where it was but I was standing with three people outside a village hall on the west coast of Ireland doing the first night of The Beauty Queen of Lanan and then a year later I was standing with the exact same three people outside the theatre on Broadway opening the same play and, you know, the thing that we did at the Royal Court was, you know, we had a studio theatre and we had a main house and the studio theatre was rocking because whether we were empty or full, we were losing money. So we were kind of completely fearless, honestly. The matter is still costing us money, so let's just do great work. Meanwhile, downstairs we had 500 seats and all our decision-making, well, honestly, was really, really nervous because we couldn't afford to be less than a half, uh, half full for more than a week or, you know, the whole the wheels started to come off the whole thing. So all the questions we started asking ourselves about that space were the wrong ones, like, what did the playwright's last play do and can we get a big enough star to be in it and is the subject big enough, whatever that means, you know. And, and after a while we were like, oh, actually, hold on a second. And, and, and you know, the studio continued to rock and the main house continued to limp along and then we kind of switched it up and went, okay, everything needs to start up stairs in the, in the studio because then the lifeblood of everything we do will be fearless and we will have an opportunity you know we put on that that, that time I was there we put on the first play by Martin McDonald, first play by Jess Butterworth first play by Conor McPherson, first play by Sarah Kane, first play by Marco Ravenhill people who last year pretty much owned the Oscars. Now I'm not sure those people would have been you know where they were this year if they hadn't had access to that studios. Also on that panel was Lawrence Nell. My name is Lawrence Nell. I'm director of strategic innovation partners. We work in many industries and we're areas of strategy, innovation, leadership, culture, and organisational development. You made a really interesting point there about people making themselves available to people up and coming in the industry and also for those people to try and seize on those opportunities. I think sometimes it can be very hard both for senior people who are very, very busy but also for junior people or developing people, let me say, who may be a bit nervous. But I think it's really critical for those relationships to to develop, for people to have those conversations say, look, how can I learn from you? And, And equally for people to say, how can I give something back? 
you know, I've been through these pathways, I've experienced all these challenges, and you know what, I've got something I can share. And that is really, really important. The other point I think I made up there was that those sort of relationships, those mentoring relationships in the creative industries have always been there, going back hundreds, thousands of years. So it's something that I think really can be developed, on, developed upon and formalized. Yeah, so I thought the day was a real success. Screen Skills Ireland manager Gareth Lee. Great turnout. I mean, over 200 people attended on the day. Really good engagement across the panel discussions. I think the topics provoked a lot of thought and some interesting responses. I think we covered a lot, everything from, you know, the current provision to where we need to look to for the future, how we can shape policy around skills development, and also, you know, where the gaps are, which is really, really critical, and where the gaps might be going forward. From my point of view, it was just great to see such engagement and such kind of passion in the room about about the topic of skills because it's it's right at the core of what we do for the, for the screen sector. So that was the Screen Industry Education Forum 2019 hosted by Screen Skills Ireland. Like I said, the 10-point action plan is available to read on screenskillsireland.ie where you'll also find a wealth of helpful information and resources. I've been Liam Garrity. Until next time, take care. Take care.